This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 560, brought to you by Geek Fuel. Go to geekfuel.com slash iFanboy to get your free bonus item. And, of course, iFanboy listeners just like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 560. This could be the last podcast ever uh, if, if, if the country destroys itself. I was thinking if you died. Also a possibility. Over. You know, there's not really a bus system in my town, which I think is how most of us expect to go. It's just I, just, I just thought it was going to be because you're, you're dying of your, your consumption. I do. I have a light consumption. Uh, not like last year's apocalyptic consumption uh, which which threatened to kill at least two-thirds of our our little triumvirate it tried right, so uh anyway uh, i'm josh <laughs> flanagan of ifanboy uh over there is uh my partner connor kilpatrick hello and we're down our third leg today <laughs> we're two jamokin it we're yeah it's a, it's a double jamokin Double Jamoke sort of. Sort Ron of Richards is off this week. 
fucking movies. Uh, we are. That I- is bullshit. <laughs> we air our, our laundry. Like, <laughs> don't normally somebody misses. Nobody, somebody misses the show because they're like on vacation or they got a work thing or there's some other commitment. No, Ron just bought fucking movie tickets during our regular recording time. But it was so he could so. do the show. Theoretically. Next time I'm going to be out because I'm taking a nap. As opposed to me, who was like, I'm not watching that movie. I don't want to see it. I'm not doing that show. So I don't know. Yeah. Like, I showed up for this. He's going to show up for that. More people listen to this. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk. It's uh, fanboy. That's what we are. We complain about each other, uh, but we mostly love each other. Uh, we also love comics, and every week we read a bunch of them. Um, and then sometimes only two of us show up to talk about their favorite book, and we call that the pick of the week. And the other books that the two of us will talk about. And I think the shows with two people, uh, specifically me and Connor, are very good shows. I've, I've heard a lot of good things about how these shows, <laughs> they're terrific shows. I mean, they're, they're just fantastic. Let me tell you, shows with two jamokes, ah, forget about it. Save those jokes because we're going to have a couple of those come up in this there's, episode. Connor, there's no limit. There's no limit. <laughs> Here's your spoiler warning. Gonna do those jokes some more. They're gonna be terrific jokes. This is also a review show, so uh, we could spoil your books if you haven't read them, and that's your problem. Connor, you had the pick of the week. This week, the pick was The Flintstones number five, and I think four was also the pick. I believe so. Uh, and this wasn't even the best episode, issue of The Flintstones, but it made me laugh. And I think today, this week... I just I needed to laugh, and once I laughed out loud for real, I was like, you know what? You're it, Flintstones. Also, some very interesting things happened in it, which we'll get to in a second. But this is the the series of Mark Russell and Steve Pugh, and if you uh, want to know more about that, you can listen to Josh's interview with Mark Russell on uh, his Talksplode. But this is the book taking the Critique right world by storm. Yeah, I, had a little, I thought you were going my, for Cretaceous for a second, but that didn't happen. I had a little stroke. Yeah, well, the critics are taking are loving this book, us among them. And uh, here we have two things going on. This is it's election day in uh, in Bedrock for two elections. One for the mayorship. A lot of that going around comics this week, by the way. The mayorship, and also for I guess school president at Bedrock Middle School, and. Uh, we get to well, what I liked actually best about this issue was the flashbacks. We get a flashback to Barney and Fred in the war that we've been that, that has been heavily referenced up until this point, and we learn a lot of interesting things, including a major major twist at the end. Um, but uh, you get a lot. This was this week. This week was all about heavy Donald Trump uh, referencing. Some of it more subtle than others. It's quite, it's quite in the zeitgeist, as I understand it. Yeah, um, this one handled it better than the other instance of it. I don't know what the uh, other so one was. It was the Catwoman election special. Oh, we're going to so get to we're, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So, uh, two, as I said, there's two elections going on. The mayor election. There's, uh, you know, the current mayor is re- running for election against basically this barbarian warrior, Claude the Destroyer. Who is the son of a previous uh, warrior, Mordok the Destroyer, who's, who was the one that led them into the battle, into the war they fought against the tree people before. And uh, that is an interesting debate because the Claude the Destroyer is wearing a giant like tree mask with horns and he's got spears and it's, just a, it's an interesting visual element. And then in the, in the middle school election, you have uh, Ralph... Who will who wants your vote or he'll punch you in the beef? He's now, gonna punch you right in the beef. That was a joke that they ran into the ground and then they pulled it back out again. Is that so what like, made you laugh? Yes, it was. <laughs> he kept saying, "I'll punch you in the beef," and at first I'm like, "I don't even know what the beef is. Is the beef like your balls? Like what is the beef?" And then, <laughs> and like the the, the, the the seminal question, "Where is the beef?" Um, and then and then at the end. He did punch a kid in the beef, and the kid goes, "Ow, oh, my beef!" And I laughed. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why. It's a totally dumb joke, but it got me. Well, if, if and, you would have learned in that conversation with Mark Russell, he is not above um, high-minded satire nor low punning. Right. He he wanted to do the gag with the the Panda Express, and they were serving Panda at one point, <laughs> which is not you know that's this is not highbrow stuff. 
Right. But but yeah, you got ah my beef. (laughs) (laughs) That panel made me laugh, and it's even in the background. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's it's not even foreground stuff. It's not the point of that page. (laughs) And uh, and it got me. What did you think of this issue? Because you've been a big booster of this uh, book since Ron introduced it to both of us. I I liked the issue very much. I don't think it was the best of them. No, I thought it was actually a little uneven. Um, because I'm not, I wasn't sure the timeline that things were happening because part of the, I guess the one election was, I think they're colored differently now that I'm looking at it. Um, but sort of the, they, the good. They aren't at the same time. No. I assume they were having the same time. No, because, uh, the earlier, if you look at the coloring on the flashbacky stuff, it looks like they joined. I, I, I assume there's, th- I assume there's three storylines. There's. Yeah, well, this is the point. Two elections are happening at the same time, and then there's the flashback to when Fred and Barney were younger, and they were and and uh, and uh, they were fighting. Wilma's pregnant, and they're going to war. Anyway, elections are that. My point is that part was, I guess, a a little bit confused. Not not so bad. Not. I mean, it's it's not even a. It just wasn't the best of all of the things that I've seen. But there was a lot of funny things going on. I thought one of the things I think is interesting about this. Now we also saw on the one about where they send the monkey into space. Mm-hmm. is there's a pretty heavy undercurrent going on here. Whereas all the other stuff, the satire has been goofy and it keeps it, you know, like all the animals are, uh, you know, domesticated in the house and that's kind of sad. Like in this one, they murder a lot of people and and that, yeah. and that he lets that retain its heaviness. So maybe even when I'm saying, I don't know that it was my, it was the best. I, I just like, I don't know that that's a little tougher to chew on maybe. So it doesn't make it quite as well, funny. No, and what, well, that's, and that's one of the reasons I, I liked. Yeah, that, and that's that's not necessarily the negative. Between, the contrast between the war flashback and the the goofy elections, and so it, the first four issues we've had a lot of referencing to the the war with the tree people, and Fred and Barney were veterans, and they go to the vet, to VFW, and and they, they've had some some mild, you know, PTSD illusions. So there's been that sort yeah. of thing going on. So here we see it. We see that it was a completely fabricated war. It was. Uh, a, a fabricated conflict with the tree people. They just wanted the land, and they 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 convinced the people that the tree people were going to invade. So they had to raise an army to have made them first, and then uh, they did. And with these, even they were in these goofy hats. They still it gets dark because they ended up kill. You know, who brings women and children to an invasion? That's when Fred realizes they were duped, and there wasn't actually any threat from the tree people. And, uh, and then it ends. One of the one of the things going on in this issue is that. In the flashback, Wilma's pregnant and Betty is jealous and Sad. Barney wants to be a dad. And and uh, then we find out that Barney is not able to have children. And then in the trees amongst the uh, the dead bodies, Barney finds Bam Bam or what the, the, the baby that will become Bam Bam. So Bam Bam isn't his kid. He's a tree person. And that, ex- I guess, explains why he's so much more strong than everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was a really interesting twist. I mean, again, really fucking with the Flintstones mythos here. Yeah, I, again, I, 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 I mean, that was one of the questions I asked. If, if you like this book and you like us talking about it, you really need to go listen to that interview. But I was like, how are you able to do this? And he kind of said, I don't know. <laughs> they haven't really said anything, so I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, and then, of course, Cloud the Destroyer wins a landslide victory for Mayor. So that's that tells you where Mark Russell's head's at in terms of where he thinks the world's going uh but i this is you know as i said this isn't the best one but this was the most enjoyable read for me this week the i thought the election stuff was on point uh as opposed to being on the nose as we'll talk about in a minute um but uh this book continues to sort of astound yeah and the steve the steve pew art we don't talk enough about is yeah, really right. i've really good yeah, even the, I mean, we talked about him before, but his, even his, the, his the Chris Chuckery coloring is pretty pretty great. It's a it, it's really good book. Like just it, even down to the designs of, you know, we we've always seen the little water buffalo hats, but now we see them as soldiers. We see their their guns. We see you know the turtle shell helmet. Which why didn't wear those into battle? By the way, I don't know. The water buffalo helmet seems like it's useless. And and a target of sorts, although it's empty in there, so maybe anyway, um, you know, like there's a huge. He gets to draw big dinosaurs doing stuff every once in a while, and it's pretty good. Right. There's a big brontosaurus with a whole like war contraption strapped to it. 
you know. And the gorilla is their yep. uh, like their hand hand combat trainer. Like it's it's good. I mean, but like also design wise, you know, none of these people look like their cartoon counterparts, but also all of them are recognizable. Yeah, you know who they are. Yeah, you're right. It, and it works for that. If they look, if this looked like the traditional Flintstones, it would be terrible. <laughs> you know, but conversely, if it looked like, you know, the design that they did in the Scooby-Doo Apocalypse book, it would also be terrible. It's a great, oh, God. It's just, I'm not, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that road. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a great book. I'm running out of reasons to say why or how, no, it's, but it's very, yeah, it's, it's, I like that there's a different theme every week. So you can, t- you can, you can riff on that as opposed to like an ongoing story. Yep. Cause it would be, it would get harder to talk about this book if it were that case. Yep. But, uh, Equally so, the run, the very close runner-up to pick the week was Nightwing number eight, which I'm prepared to say now is the best Batman book being done right now. Really? Yeah. Why? So this, this it, it, it seems there seems to be nothing wrong with it. <sighs> mm-hmm. Whereas Batman's real good, but I don't really care about the Gotham girl aspect, which seems to be front Psycho center pirate thing. Yeah, I don't. Well, I love Psycho Pirate. I just don't care about Gotham Girl. Right. Um. Or, or Gotham when he was there before he died too. Uh, Gotham Boy, whatever his name was. Um, whereas this, this seems real. This, and I keep hating to say it, like like the old man I am, but this one feels the most like an old school DC book. It doesn't feel like you, this book could have come out in yeah two thousand two nineteen ninety seven. Um, I'll tell you what this the, is the best part of this book was, yes. hands down. Yes. Um, you've got uh, Bruce Wayne. Uh, hanging in a in a death trap. I mean, like a classic <laughs> Batman death trap. Awesome. Yeah. And and the shots are sort of uh, it's it's uh, it's near the end where the, the timer's counting down and it goes from one or actually up one ninety eight to one ninety nine, and then you sort of look down the abyss. And I it's you don't really even get a really good sense of where you are in the space, but it doesn't really matter because it's the sense of falling in space. And he falls, and then you 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 flip the page, and there's a beautiful shot from under. Of uh, of Nightwing like jumping down and grabbing yes. Bruce as he falls and and it really had the and that was that's very very good comic book storytelling in terms yes. of action yes. and and just dramatic uh, composition uh, that 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 two page bit blew me away I was that was perfect <coughs> you really jumped over the important bit which is explaining the death trap because we haven't had one of these kind of things in a long time so Raptor kidnaps Bruce Wayne. Puts him in a chair, as Josh said. You know, he's 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 shackled to the chair. He's got he's shackled by his arms, his legs, his neck, and and he there's a there's a, a contraption with a stock ticker on it. And when when Wayne Tech's stock hits two hundred dollars, oh, I didn't uh, even catch to, that part. He's going to be stabbed to death with a sharpened silver spoon. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, I that, keep thinking that, I don't want to. I, I keep thinking I don't like this book, or that I can drop it, and then I keep reading it. So I think I'm not paying as much attention because I'm like, I don't want to like it because I just don't want to read so many books. But yep. So I think that by the end, I'd snapped and I'm like, oh, that's really, that's really something. I do. I will just because I said so many wonderful things about what Javier Fernandez did there. Um, Bruce and Dick look exactly the same age. On that true. last page, in fact, they that's look true. like the same person. That is true. Um, uh, but that's the problem, just in general. Um, but so the big, the big thing that I figured out here, which is not that I'm not that smart, it's just that's what they reveal is that. So this is this seems to be the final issue of this current Raptor storyline. Raptor's been that guy that that Dick's been hanging out with. We didn't know if he was good or evil. He's he was he was formerly a Talon with the Court of Owls, and he he turned on them with Dick and helped them take down one of their cells. Well, here we find out because we used to think he was sort of the the opposite of Nightwing. He was the 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 bad boy version of Dick Grayson, but actually he's not. He's he's the opposite of Bruce Wayne. He he had the same sort of thing happen to him, and instead of going the way Bruce did, he went the other way. So he's not really Nightwing's mirror. He's another Batman mirror, which is totally fine. I like that twist because we've been operating under one assumption, and then we get we get that subverted for us. So that was good too. I just think that. As was happening in the Grayson book, uh, Tim Seeley and, and back then Tom King was also the writer. They have a really good handle on Dick Grayson and what makes him special as opposed to all the other psychics running around. And I think the relationship between him and Bruce Wayne here is really good. 
they tie in the family stuff and the circus stuff really well. And Javier Fernandez is just doing really fantastic work. Um, it's just it's super fun and and uh, makes me happy because I had, you know I love Nightwing. I think also because you know Nightwing has you know for a little while it was it was looking like Nightwing was going to go away. Um, and he really should have. You could see him. You could see him going away. Like, but this book really does ground him as a as a character, like a real character, and and why he's unique in this world. In yes. a really good. Way. They're making a strong case for for keeping him around as an interesting character. I guess is he's he's one of the last you'd get. I mean, he's yeah. way more. I mean, if you're talking about getting rid of redundant sidekicks, you. For me, and that's just because it's my favorite. But you get rid of Jason Todd, you get rid of even Tim Drake before. Sure. No. Yeah. I don't. I don't disagree with you. But you know, they're they're making a case for it. Yeah. I, he's he's fantastic. This is great. This is even if you haven't following along this storyline, you can pick up this issue because it's sort of a self-contained thing. Even though it's the final part of a two-part story, I guess. Is it the final part? It's only part two. It felt like the final part. Uh, it feels like um, it, but obviously oh, it's a finale. It's a finale at the yeah. end, yeah. So it's the final part of a two-part story. Pick up this one and the one before. It's re- these are really good issues. Are you even? You can just pick up this one because it it gives you all the information you need. Uh, and the, as Josh said, the Javier Fernandez stuff is really, really good in this issue. Yep. Yep. Um, speaking of really good, I always feel like I need to beat the drum for Spider Woman, um, which was a little spoiled for me by the people. Because somebody okay. basically said, uh, "Oh, Dennis Hopeless, you know, made me made me cry or, made, or or broke my heart or something like that." And I was like, "That means someone I like dies." And if you've been reading this book, it's pretty obvious who that's gonna be. Um, Spider Woman. Nope, no, it's her book actually. So there's sort of three uh, adult uh. characters in this book. There's uh, there's Spider Woman. There's Ben Urich, and if that guy's not dead by now. Uh, they're not going to kill him in this book. I thought he was dead. I think he was for a bit, but and there's Roger, uh, the porcupine, who was a, well, obviously who was I know a who's silly, die. who was a silly villain, and he had been providing um, emotional support and child care um, for Jessica Drew, and um, in this we have the revelation that you know Ben's like, all right, who are you fooling? You're in love with her, and he's like, what? I don't. Yes, I am, because you know that's been the thing, and he's you know. It's the lovable loser who's not really a loser because he's a really good guy who's in love with a girl who's way out of his league. And uh, and I was like, oh, he's bear meat. That's not good. Um, and so because he turned, there's a pretty there's a pretty sad end to his story. And, and it's one of those. You remember the Friday Night Lights, Lights episode where here's another spoiler. Deal with it. Um, uh, Saracen's dad is killed. Uh-huh. Uh, and... And the end of the episode is just like somebody knocking on the door. Yes. And then they answer it and then look real sad. Like you just see a face. They don't really explain it. They basically did that here. And it was really like nice comic book version of that kind of scene. So was he was he killed in a mundane way like like Miss, Miss Landingham or was it like uh If you're like a, a bad villain, guy super- who's friends with lots of supervillains and then you turn to the good guy team, um, uh, the Hobgoblin is going to be upset. So it wasn't like... Uh, you know, a bus hit him. Nope, nope, no. His past came back to haunt him, which, you know, is Makes is sense. morally apropos. Uh, but it's sad because mm-hmm. he was a really interesting character that was sort of uh, grown out of the. I don't know that if he. I don't know if Hopeless created him, but either way, he may as well have. You know, it's just to take some some you know little character and, and build him into something. Um, and he got his like his, the last issue was like Roger's hero moment where he beat the Sandman. Yeah. Oh, then he's totally toast. Yeah, no, it's all it was all right there, um, but it's it's sad because you know you could have let this go on for a while, but they had this series and the one before it. You know, they were that was all the sort of uh, the building up of Roger. So is there is there another issue? Is it still going or is it? I don't. It doesn't it? say it was like the end of the series or anything. They, oh. I mean, at the least they'd have to deal with the out out fallout of that, and you know, it's it's still Jessica's story, and she's the superhero who has the baby, um, which you know, very near and dear to the author's heart is the kind of story he wanted to tell. And I think people working people with kids would really dig this if they like uh, superhero stories, as I've said many times before. But, you know, really good issue. Like, they, it's sad, but they earned it. Um, good book. I like how they drew Hobgoblin in here a lot. Speaking of the past coming back to haunt, in the finale of The Sheriff of Babylon, number 12, this is the 
series one finale of the Sheriff of Babylon. Yeah. Season one. Uh, season one. You are not British. Uh, somewhat, well, you never know. Uh, so this was, again, much like the series itself, morally fucked up, kind of sad and depressing. Um, and at the end, you don't know what really happened or if it's good or not. Yep. I mean, you kind of have a sense of that it's not good. But I don't know for sure. I'm not prepared with this book at all to put a stake in any kind of ground on one, one side or the other. Um, so I you, was, have a big, you're, you, love, you love this book. Explain I do. What happened. Uh, yeah, well, there's a reason I didn't suggest it. Um, <laughs> I, honestly, I was, I was a little lost, and I feel like maybe because it referred to stuff that had happened in the earlier issues that I have lost track of. Um, and it, it's funny because the last – Two or three between this one was pretty clear cut because we knew that um, the two characters whose names I don't remember, but the the two actual Arab characters were meeting with the the terrorist, and so that was all yes. pretty straightforward. And you knew right. that the that the other guy uh, was sort of talking to CIA people and seeing how awful they were, and and then this was about how that all came together, and I wasn't fully clear on that. Yeah, it it if it seemed I don't remember this I this I vaguely remember this guy this character Jim that's, from that's Ops. the guy I did not I remember yeah so um our main character handsome dude who uh, has a beard now lunch. which threw me off yeah he's having lunch and he he spots Jim from Ops at the restaurant and he grabs him by gunpoint and I think so basically what's ever since that his but his Iraqi buddy's wife was killed that's sort of been the underlying stories. Mm-hmm. Who killed her, and let's get revenge on them. And uh, that almost happened when he was at the CIA headquarters and he almost shot the other agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess Jim from Ops is claims to be a sad sack computer tech who was used by the younger CIA agents as sort of a actor to play their boss because everyone there is so young that some of the people don't respect them. So they they act. They ask older guys to stand there and look menacing, and they refer to them as the boss. And that's his excuse for not being actually responsible for killing the wife. And we don't know if that's true or not. It seems like it could be, but also he could be lying. Um, either way, he gets shot in the head. So if he, if he was actually just a sad sack computer tech contractor, then they murdered him. And if he was the really Jim from Ops, then they also murdered him, but for good reason. So... Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I was a little. I mean, like I got the gist. It wasn't right. like I, I, I didn't know what the point was. It was just some of the no, details. I told yeah, yeah. And I know that wasn't just me, but but also like you'd have to. It, you know, this was a intricately planned, well thought out book, and my mind doesn't think back to twelve months ago uh, in those intricately planned. Like things. a lot of what Tom King does. Yeah, he he does a lot of that sort of intricately plotted stuff. You you kind of have to sit. Like this would be a good twelve issue. It, collection like yeah. read this all at once well he was, two, a, six, he, was a, he was a novelist before he was a professional comic book writer so you know it was it was right set but up i'm like saying this, is, this one particularly this yeah. book yeah uh you definitely should go back and read it all together but as on the whole this is this has been a very satisfying uh story yeah definitely yeah it was good it looks it looks great mitch has gotten better yeah. through the whole thing um yes anyway <clears throat> Now, you have not been reading Thor. I don't know what the regular book is called. Mighty it's Thor. It's just Thor. Mighty Thor? You have not been reading that, as as has been well documented. No. Now, this week saw the release of The Unworthy Thor, number one, written by yes. Jason Aaron, uh, with art by Olivier Coipel, about yes. the Odin son. Right. Did you read it? I did. I should fucking hope so. <laughs> Because uh, first of all, just first of all, Olivia Coipel is a gift. Yeah. He's, he's a gift to all of us. And I don't know at what point Jason Aaron, listen, Jason Aaron, he's a good guy. He makes good comics. But at some point, he became the guy who got the artists that everybody else would want to work with. You know, right. whether he's it's the Stuart Niven or over on Star. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He, he took over the remender sort of place. Um so you've got Dowderman over on the Mighty Thor, and you've got Olivier Coipel on on the Unworthy Thor, and uh, I thought it was a pretty good start. I, I like spending time with the Odin Odin son again. 
Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it, it did remind me of all it's all all the things I don't like about Marvel right now. It's sort of um, encapsulated in Thor, in Thor situation. In, uh, more specifically, can you can you well like that it's different from e- easy standpoint is remember remember the early days of of God of Thunder when we would flash forward to the old man Thor and he is missing an eye, he's missing an arm. We're like, wow, he had some shit happen to him in the millennia since. And then they decide they were going to just show the arm get cut off, and he, now he's got a metal arm. And it's like, it was much more interesting when it was just a thing that happened in the intervening hundreds right. of years. And you don't need to show it. Now it's less interesting. So, okay, um, I see what you're and, and also, in that same vein, they definitely referred to the, the, mini, the miniseries Thors, which was a very silly right. miniseries indeed, in a, in a good way. In that it was, yeah, I mean, we, we really liked it. It was basically Thor as, as police procedural, but... Um, I feel like my interest in the Marvel Universe has gone way down since the Unworthy uh, miniseries, whenever that was, the, the, the event, when Thor stopped becoming Thor and everything started changing there. Like, this was fun. This was, I mean, he writes a great Thor. This is, uh, Thor's one of my favorite characters. He does, you know, Olivia Coypel is awesome. He's got a big battle with a bunch of trolls. But, like, it just represents to me what I don't really like about Marvel right now. But it is and, just the uh, story of... Thor loses the hammer and Thor gets the hammer back. That's what we're watching. Well, he's getting a different hammer back now. He's getting. I mean, he's like getting that's the, the the other hammer. The, yeah, because uh, the everybody ultimate. gets a hammer. You get a hammer. I know. That's where I was. Thank you. Um, Which one is? Yeah, even Beta Ray Bill's got a hammer. I mean, it's fine. Did, I'm going. I'm going to read more. I was, it's just. I was pretty happy to see Beta Ray Bill show up. By the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, with his what's old school fans love Beta Ray Bill. That and the goats. There was a line about goat power here. I was like, I can't fly unless under goat power. And I was like, that's a good line. <laughs> I really like the goats. I, I, You know, like, if the story is this is Thor who is super bold and brash, and we've seen that because Jason Aaron's laid it all out, and then we have to see him sort of brought low, and he's unworthy, and we don't know why, you know, and he has to sort of get his groove back. I'm cool with that. That doesn't bother me. And also, this is taking place. If this was all wrapped up in the Civil War, then I think I would agree with you. Yeah. But it's not. It's its own story, and it's the story he's telling. And you could not be into it. And I think Space Sharks are going to show up again, so that's rad. I really like – there was a really great bit. So, like, there's a classic movie or TV trope where the bad guy's getting away, the hero steps out, pops off a couple of shots from his pistol at the car to no avail, right? That's, that happens all the time. So here you get the Thor version where the trolls are escaping on their space boat. And so Thor throws his axe at them from far away and just misses and just goes into space. <laughs> that was funny. Just keeps going. He's got to get his goat to go get it because it's just going to keep space. It's just going to keep going. There's nothing going to stop it. At least he's got a goat. <laughs> I mean, this was good. It, on its own, it was really fun. And I'm going to read another one and Beta Ray Bill's awesome and everything, but, you know, it just, you know, there's a little bit nitpicky stuff. I do think Olivia Coipel could decide how to draw the hairy chest of Thor, and now it's, it just looks like a bunch of weird squiggles on his chest. Fair enough. That was my only complaint about the art. Are the French a hirsute people? I'm sure some are. Yeah. You're saying it's a it's a varied population. I really love how. I like is. that he has a hairy chest because most characters don't. I I think you know? that it's funny that this Thor's body is actually more realistic looking than the guy who actually plays Thor in the movies. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like a real body, as opposed right. to Chris Hemsworth, who's, I mean, unhuman. Made in the lab. Yeah. 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 An egg white so. monstrosity. on that note uh this episode's brought to you by geek fuel geek fuel ships out a mystery box for geeks and gamers each month that has at least 50 dollars worth of value for around 15 dollars plus shipping and handling every box has an exclusive t-shirt a fully downloadable game and a total of five to seven geeky items go to geekfuel.com slash ifanboy to check their awesome boxes and if you sign up using our link um which is geekfuel.com slash iFanboy. I'm going to come back around to that. You're going to get a free bonus item, uh, especially for iFanboy listeners that nobody else gets, uh, a copy of the Suicide Squad Rebirth number one. That's Jim Lee book, you may remember. And one lucky listener will get picked at random to receive a black and white uh, cover variant copy. Uh, and you can check out pictures uh, on the website. 
Uh, so go to geekfuel.com slash ifanboy and uh, get value for your money in, in that sense. That's a good value. So yeah. $15 for $50 value. Exactly. And one of you jerks is going to get a random variant cover. And folks out there, so, they'll pay for the variant covers. Oh, they'll pay. Right. So that's, you're going to get even, you can flip that for even more value. So that's a good geekfuel.com slash ifanboy. Yes, for, we thank uh, you. Thanks a lot. So, when's the last time Southern Bastards came out? It's been a while. I feel like it's been, it was 2015. No, I don't think that long. It may not have been, but it just felt like it. Yep. Um, And also because we've been waiting for this moment since issue six Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, issue 15, uh, the the daughter, it's been so long I don't remember the, the main guy's name anymore. Uh, the daughter Tub. shows up. Lady Tub. Earl, Earl Tub shows Earl Tub's daughter, the uh, military veteran uh, who is of mixed race, shows up to the town to, and she's pissed. She's just everything that makes her angry. She sees her dad's uh, stick hanging up in the barbecue place. She sees Coach Boss. Um, she's not happy. At one point, she starts to zip open a duffel bag full of machine guns when she sees him. But it doesn't end up happening. But uh, shit's going to go down. But also, I'm glad that they they didn't go humanizing Coach Boss. Like, we were heading that way. And he's like, fuck it. I'm just going to be evil here. Well, so it, I like Coach, Coach Boss had a real bad day. Or yeah. several days. This was, a, this was really Coach Boss's shit week. Um, <laughs> after his, his, his secret weapon, uh, his blind defensive coach, uh, died, you know, after losing faith in him at the same time, you know, he was trying to, he was, he was trying to be a good guy, sort of in terms in of his way, in, in his way, in terms of respecting the game of football, he did not want to cheat. Uh, but his team was just getting destroyed over and over again, which is really interesting because the, the team is the same team that was really good, but they just lost, they lost their defensive coordinator. So right, they, don't, they don't know the schemes. They don't know how to defend against the offenses of the other team. You're right. It is this is a tribute that. to excellent coaching, which I yes. think is interesting. Um, but I believe but Coach Boss has had enough. He, he turns down the offer to take out the star player in one game. So the next game, they have an even better star player. He's going to take him out. And uh, poor Coach – I mean, I don't want to say poor Coach Boss. I just want him to get shot. His shorts don't even look quite as short as normal. It's something's wrong, with Co- something's wrong with Coach he's, Boss. He's all off. He's got pants on. Yep. Coach yep. Boss's world's been rocked. There's a bulldog at one point, though. That is good. I like that. Um, Catwoman Election Night Special Number One. Did you read the first part of this? Because this is a two-part. So I did not deal. read the Catwoman story at all. Okay. So for those who don't know, this is a double-sized issue. The first uh, the first story is a Catwoman story which deals with the election of the mayor of Gotham City. And then the second part is the finale to Prez, also written by Mark Russell, who wrote Flintstones. And uh, I, I'm i assuming for most people, or for a lot of people, the big draw was Prez. A lot of people listening to the show, the big draw was Prez, because we were big fans of it. And people, people listening All to the show were ready. Uh, I didn't think it was that good, the finale of Prez. I agree with you. At least... I, it felt shoehorned, and it was. I mean, it was a nice. I thought. I thought it was a nice uh, story, but it didn't feel like a finale. How's that? Like it felt like a short. Like, hey, look at this thing we're doing. But I, I mean, but also, like, what was it even doing here? I don't know. Um, although I, I can tell you, there actually was a reason. <clears throat> so we know from reading Prez that Prez takes place in the DC universe of the future, and there's even a, a Wayne descendant in the story. The problem is uh so the main story the penguin's running for mayor and he's just basically reading uh donald trump like someone took donald trump's speeches and just put him into the con- like it's, a, As it's the penguin yeah it's like word for word he's gonna build a wall around gotham and like it's That's gonna be a great wall and it's gonna be you know the best wall and i, was, I started i rolled my eyes through my head mm-hmm. while reading it um but then there's a, you know the, the main story is catwoman's uh Remembering growing up in an orphanage, and she's protecting the or, the the woman who ran it because it was a uh, it was she was actually nice. And the thing was, one of her fellow orphans was a psychopath murderer, and it so happens she's running for mayor against the penguin. Uh, so no good choices there. 
And uh, but they, it ends with the woman uh, watching the election coverage with a young girl. And the young girl says, I'm going to be the president one day. And she says, I'm sure you will, Beth. I'm sure you will. And we get a close up and it's Prez. Oh, except Prez is like nine here. And, and she's, she's like, like 14 or 15 in the. It, it, it will even say 16, 18. Yeah, even that's still only 10 years difference. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So uh, that that was, I guess, why they shoehorned President of this because she's she shows up at the end of Catwoman as a too old kid. It was a mess. This whole thing was a mess. I loved Pres, but I didn't think this was a good finale. Yeah, yeah. There was bits of it I liked, but it wasn't as um, perfect, I guess, as the book was. It, it just wasn't needed. The, the book ended. Unfortunately, it ended the way it did, but it ended, and yeah. I hadn't really thought about it since then, and, you know, it just, I thought it wasn't that sharp. He's doing much sharper work in Flintstones. Yeah. Just unfortunate. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not going to, uh, I think I'm going to go with you on that. So, uh, okay. Superman number 10, I don't know what I thought about this. I th- at first, I didn't like it. I thought, this is hokey. Why are they all fighting? And then I remembered that's what always happens. And then when mm-hmm. everybody started getting along, I liked it more. But this was basically uh, Damien uh, getting all shirty with uh, John, uh, little 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 Robin and little little Superboy, uh, and then their their the dads Bruce and and uh, Clark fight. But then everybody makes up for it, and then I don't know. Like I, I'm stuck between it was stupid and it was cute. The best part of this issue was that. Jonathan punched Damien in the beef, but um, <laughs> I can see that that is now going to make it into your lexicon. <laughs> but uh, I, I thought you're going to be at the one. gym and you're going to hurt yourself and you're very, very quietly. Oh, my go, beef! <laughs> What's wrong? It's my beef. What the fuck? Yeah, like Monday's a leg day, Tuesday's an arm day, and then Wednesday's a beef day. Um, uh, I didn't like this issue at all. No, which was I thought you really might sad not. because. Because uh, I really liked the last four. I was mm-hmm. looking back at the covers like, oh, I've, you know, the, the last two were that Darwin Cook tribute. And the one before that was the um, one on the farm. And then there was the, the one in the fair. Like, I liked all these. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was pretty, pretty bad. Um, I thought I think the kids, at least in, especially in the opening scene, are, are written too maturely. Mm-hmm. Um, like his, when Jonathan's at school with his little buddy, his, little, his girlfriend, she's like, uh, I supply you with refreshment. It's like, mm-hmm. that's not anything a nine-year-old's ever going to say, or however old these kids are. How old are they supposed um, to be? I feel like 12 It's hard to say, because Damien's 13 now, so I assume that Jonathan is around that age, because they look about the same size. Um, I just, I don't like, I don't like the interactions with these characters. And one of the things I've been thinking about with Damien is that it just doesn't serve anyone to have a Dick as Robin. <laughs> That's the wrong way to say that because there was a dick as Robin. An asshole. Yeah. You know, we had one of those and we voted to kill him. It doesn't, it just doesn't work in the long term. Yeah, it was interesting but... from the beginning when he was super young and he was written as sort of a <clears throat> aristocrat who was hiding his insecurity with supreme arrogance, right? He was in way over his head so he acted better than everybody because he knew he wasn't. And that we've, we've lost that because that was. That was the element that it's, Grant Morrison brought to it. Now he's just he's just written as an asshole. And it's weird because I feel like they kind of told his story in such a way that, like, we had seen him grow past it. So then he would start to act better, you know, with flashes of it or whatever. But it doesn't seem right. to be here because it's so easy to write him as just that original caricature. It's just not fun to be around, and mm-hmm. it's not what you ex- like. I can't really imagine Batman putting up with this. I mean, he's even though he is his son, like. He doesn't put up with this from people who aren't his son. Well, you don't have and kids. I get, I get parents have blind spots for their kids, but this is like over the top. No, you just can't. You can't. You can't. You can't control him. You, you just. Um, you just try to hang on. It's just man. not fun to be around. And, and we got rid of the last one who wasn't fun to be around on purpose. So I thought Patrick. That, that was a long time ago, buddy. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Thirty <laughs> years ago. I was there. Yeah. Uh, no, there. 28 years ago. 88? Eight. Yeah. 
Um, what was there? I like the Patrick Gleason art. Didn't love the yeah, colors. Great. There you go. I mean, it's unfortunate, but I just didn't like this issue. Let us let us move along to books that we did not pick, but that others did. Uh, if you are a supporter or a patron of iFanboy, and you go to iFanboy.com slash support. Backward. I got it. I just, then I switched. Or Patreon.com slash iFanboy. It works either way. Um yes. Uh, you will get a chance, and you become one of those uh, one of those patrons. You get a chance to vote on a book each week that you, the the listeners, the supporters, uh, would like us to talk about. And this week, the book was Motor Girl Number One, uh, written and drawn by iFanboy favorite Terry Moore. And again, I just like to point out, this is exactly the kind of thing we would have talked about anyway. Oh, this book would have definitely been in the show, but that's good. I mean, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Uh, it, we're all in accord, is what I'm seeing. It's it's interesting because as I was reading this, I was really thinking about how the show has evolved over the years. So when we started way back in 05, way back in 05, um, Terry Moore was na- a name that was always on the show. Always. Yes. Between uh, the, the the end run of Strangers in Paradise and then we, when we moved into Echo and other books, um, we didn't really talk about Rachel Rising at all, but... Uh, especially for Strangers in Paradise, that book was talked about every time it came out, and it's a lot of pick of the weeks. Is you know, a lot of picks of the week, a lot and of video show action. You interviewed him a lot. Yeah, I just he was a, he was a name that was constantly around us, and then he, he you know we just sort of dropped off his work, and and now he's back with a new book, Motor Girl, steady self publishing as always, and he's doing all of it. One guy does it all the work, and uh, I don't think that we've had a true indie book like this on in a while. Yeah. No. Um, what did you think of Motor Girl? Wait, wait, wait! Before you tell me, just so people who don't, who haven't been listening since '05, so you and Ron are huge fans of Strangers in Paradise. Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed it. I haven't read it all though, but I've enjoyed what I've read of it. I finished uh, it, but I have not revisited it. Echo, I read about a half of, and I fell off of. About but I same. bought the I bought the complete collection at Comic Con one year. I just haven't actually read it. Um. Rachel Rising, I read the first issue. I liked it and okay, but it was horror. Horror's not really my thing, but I ended up buying the first couple of trades and I fell off that too. Um, Motor Girl. I fell off, yeah, I fell off Echo. I liked it well enough, but I wasn't completely drawn to it. And I, Rachel Rising, just, I don't know, the concept didn't really do very much for me. It was horror. Yeah. Um, yeah, Motor Girl. I don't know what to think about it. Me either. Um, my I'm split. My initial instinct was: first of all, I thought was his was his work always this loose, and then I was kind of like, yeah, I don't think that that's wrong, but it, it does seem a little looser than normal or different. You mean maybe, the art? Maybe, yeah. Maybe he's maybe he's drawing digitally now and he didn't before. I don't know. It's hard to say. You never want to prescribe a reason. Like you know, he's he's older. It could be digital. Like it, it did. I mean, it still has that Terry Moore-ness Yeah, to it, it, d- it does. Uh, I, and I, I don't... I, I, this isn't even a criticism. I was just trying to figure out what was different to me. Um, he's still one of the best in the business at drawing uh, facial expressions mm-hmm. and emotions on characters. And uh, cute girls. Far. And cute girls. He draws a good so that, girl. I, I I didn't love the first half so much. I loved the... I liked the second half more. I liked it uh, from the moment that the old lady showed up. Yes. So in the beginning, it opens up and there's a... Young girl, and she's working. She's a mechanic, and she's working in a garage. And she has an ape or a gorilla, simian, simian buddy. And I was like, huh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I need one of these stories in my life. Yeah. Um, and you know, you it's not really you're not really giving any other context. They're in the, they're in this this junkyard, this garage, the junkyard the whole time. And then uh, when her boss, the old woman, shows up, we find out that the gorilla is actually a Hallucinate, hallucination coping mechanism that she got in, in when she was overseas in the war and held, held captive for a year. And all of a sudden, then it got really interesting. Yeah, that is much more interesting. And then and then a spaceship crashes, and they fix it. And then the, it got less interesting. And they fix the oil Although, leak. And I don't... I but don't, that, that's the thing. Like, taken on, taken on its own, that scene was actually, you know, funny and cute. Yeah, and, it was. But... The, but then I was like, oh, I don't really want a world's UFOs. But then I was like, well, maybe this wasn't real. And she even says, did this happen? And the girl's like, oh. 
So I, I mean, which brings me back to my original. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I like this. I like I like Terry Moore's artwork. I like to look at it very much. I like his sensibility. Um, but I don't know. I, I can't tell what it is yet. So I will read the next one. Yeah, it's kind of it looks I, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, even though it's slightly slightly looser, um, it's yeah. still it's still great looking. Um, and uh, it, you know, impressive in this day and age for the old guys to still be doing work. And I don't mean derogatorily, but like this guy was one of the masters of indie comics in the '90s and two, early 2000s. Written, drawn, and like, lettered. Along with like Jeff, your Jeff Smiths, yeah. and uh, like you know, uh, Cerebus. Dave Sim. Sim. But Dave Sim had somebody helping him on background. Right, but I mean, those guys aren't really even doing new stuff as far as I know. It's a different different economy. I mean, I think at one point I thought Terry said he wasn't going to do any more issues like this. So I was really surprised there was a new series. Um, Because I thought he said something along, and maybe he just said this to me at a show. But like something along the lines of, you know, like the market isn't there to support a series like this in the way that like when he was doing Strangers in Paradise, selling, we'll say 10,000 issues, you know, copies an issue. He was doing great. Like everything was cool. And then the trades would sell and then whatever. Um, and I think that it was harder right. to keep that apace. So I was surprised. Oh, totally. I can. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. I mean, obviously the gorilla is not real. Yeah, we'll see about the UFOs. I'm not necessarily even against the UFOs, and if, if unless it becomes about the UFOs, then then I'm less interested in it. But I don't we'll know what he's going to do. I mean, I like sci-fi. I like sci-fi, but I, just, I don't need that in this story. It was like a weird cartoon, though. Like it was almost right. More they were comic kind of strip like stuff. Warner Brothers. They were like Warner Brothers style which, uh, aliens, which is kind of interesting. I guess we'll see. Yes, I'm just saying. Also, the sketch work. So, like the the the, the book opens with a sketch. And then it ends with characters, you know, the, the original sketch that inspired the story, and then another, and that it, they're gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he said he was going to do this after Strangers in Paradise originally, and it got pushed off. And he right. was going to do it after Echo, and it got pushed off, and he's doing it now. Good ratings. He still. Oh right, ratings. Ratings. Uh, four. Wow, I was only going to go with three. Well, I, I love the art. It's true. And I think it's really it, it, this is all about her. You know her trauma. Mm-hmm. Then it could be very interesting. So I'm giving it four for potential. Okay. I, and are you going to read the next one? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you all the patrons who voted. You can do that every Wednesday over at uh, Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. And uh, and another way we like to thank the patrons is every week we take four names from our patron list and we give them what is quite frankly a dumb superpower. So uh, let us start off. Josh, you start off. Oh, well, Brian Horton, um, Mm -hmm. his power uh, is uh, he he can't use touchscreen phones or screens or anything. He's completely electromagnetically non-responsive. So he can't, oh, so it's not like he can't see them like Daredevil. He just can't, when he touches them, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Any kind of print, anything. Now, there's uses for this, but he, he Mm. he does not conduct. Interesting. So, okay. So it's like when you're wearing winter gloves and you can't use your phone. Yeah, it's like that all the time. Although, although now they have those phones with those little things on the tip of your finger. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, capacitant. When I was a kid, we went to one of those science museums, and uh, they had like a, a plate you put your hand on, and it showed your EKG reading. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put mine on, and there was nothing there. Wow, you're a dead man. Yeah. I may be dead. I may have been dead for the last 20 there years. There was a story on, I want to say it was This American Life, about a guy who, years. who didn't sweat. He Ooh. had no sweat glands, and so therefore he. Why'd you blow that one? He couldn't be electrocuted. This you, is that, related that to that. That could have very easily been your next power. Yeah, you, you just blew one. It's okay. That was a real thing, right. but it's related to that. So he can't be electrocuted. Yeah, because he has no. He can't sweat, can't so his, the outside of his body has no moisture on it. So like he would touch the electric fence. Wow, interesting. And not get shocked. It's also wow. a big problem to not sweat, though. I imagine you can't cool down. Yeah, you can't, and you can't like remove stuff from your body or your eye or whatever. I got a dog just like that. All right, Arturo Murillo. Thank you, Arturo. Arturo's power is that no matter what book or TV show or movie he's watching, if it's a murder mystery, he knows immediately who the killer is. I have that. (laughs) 
And it's not just because like it's the most recognizable guest star. Right. He just knows right away. Does he say it? He, I mean, he could if he wants. He, right, he knows no. in his head. He so that's it, really the, the responsibility part of the power is to not ruin right. everything for everybody all the time. Right. So like when you're you're hanging out in the X Mansion, you're all watching Law and Order. He's like, it's that that dude who's on, who's always on the show. Does he say it? Like, okay, is it as soon as the show starts, or is it like if he's watching the credits? No, as soon as the as soon as the, they're on the screen. Okay. He's just like that's the killer, a, and it only applies to uh, like video produced or film produced things. No, no, he, it could be a book. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Any any murder mystery story, he is immediately it, knows. Who is it that he it, it's fiction, has, no, fiction? Is it that he has? So he c- couldn't be then brought in by the cops to no assist. No. no. Uh huh. All right. Yeah. Okay. Good. It's tough. It's tough. It's not like Columbo where we all know who the killer is. It's just like, you know, your 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 other shows. You're in like PD Blues. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's on now. So do you know uh you know how they say you can do anything with duct tape? Uh oh. Yes. Well, Adrian Zaslona literally can do anything with duct tape. <laughs> hmm. He can he can fix anything, he can build provided he has enough tape. He can literally he can he can make any kind of construct, uh, state. He can make a, a building out of duct tape, mm-hmm. um, much like Karnak of the Inhumans can see the flaws in things. He sees a way in which to engineer uh, different things with duct tape. Um, and it mm-hmm. it's not necessarily instant. It's not you know form of a, a buggy and then you make the duct tape into a buggy. He's got to do it, but he can. The problem is never is this possible or not. It's always possible with the duct tape. Can he cook with it? No, no. These are these are these are non. Just build things. Objects. Just build things. He's making things. He's engineering. Interesting. He's a duct tape he can engineer. Like a, he can make like a Ford F one fifty out of duct tape. Yeah. And would it hold the same amount of weight? Yeah. Would it tow the same amount of fully functional, strength? if not better? Hmm. He's got a side business, I think. He's got. Although well, he's going to lose a lot in overhead in the in the, in the duct tape. Cost. First of all, duct tape's not cheap. Yeah, exactly. And and in in bulk, you know, it's it's not. But we had a saying growing up in Maine: <laughs> if you can't duck it, fuck it, it's broke. <laughs> and Adrian knows this all too well. But he can Simon he can Martin. Duck it. Simon Martin's power. Oh my god! I just had it in my head. I went away. Uh, Simon Martin's power. Holy shit! I had one. I've had this happen to me. It's pretty awful. <laughs> I had it in my head. While you were talking, and then I started engaging you in conversation, and it went away. Shit. I can give you a suggestion. <laughs> uh, fuck. I can it fill in. It almost came back. Okay. You do it. because I. Uh, Simon, Simon is able to help anyone who loses something on the tip of their tongue. If you've ever been talking, <laughs> and the person is about to say something, and then they get hitched because they can't Ugh. quite remember it, Simon will know what it is every time. It's an amazing ability. You want this guy on your team. Well, I get him on the pot. I just oh. yeah. Well, that's a good. That's a really good one. So Simon is probably better off. So, I think that uh, makes up for that bullshit one I gave Brian. So thank you, Brian, Arturo, Adrian, and Simon. Those are your superpowers. You can get your own superpower by going to Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy and joining today. Uh, also, you can go to ifanboy.com slash support. That's where you find an Amazon link. And as this, the holiday time comes, it's a very important place to go. Please, if you're doing your holiday shopping through Amazon, consider doing it through our link on ifanboy.com slash support. Even better, copy and paste that link, drop it in your browser shortcuts, and never think about it again. And uh, we appreciate everyone. Every, every year, we see a lot of people. Activity goes way up on those links when, they, when they're doing their holiday shopping. And we, we're very appreciative of uh, all of that. So thank you very much. That being and said, I think we have time. Don't go stand yes. in line on the Black Friday. Order the TV through that. That's true. That's I'm not. True. I'm not above just directly saying you don't want to be in that line. Those people are violent. <laughs> so let's do. We have time for one quick email. Nick from Seoul, South Korea, says, "Where do X-wing and Y-wing pilots go to the bathroom? Also, does the Millennium Falcon have its own washroom?" What about the Blackbird, the Quinjet, or the Fantastic Car? I've been sick lately and very bathroom conscious. How can you how can you make all day long day long trips in these vehicles? So, 
I assume the X-Wing and Y-Wing pilots have some sort of attachment in their suits. They pee into. I would think so. That's sort of what they do with the flight suit. But I was, I, I was, I, I was recently at the Air Force at the uh, Museum of the Air Force in Dayton, Ohio. Yes. Uh, which is an amazing place that has many, many planes. And uh, I was standing by an F-4 uh, fighter plane, which uh, an uncle of mine flew uh, in Vietnam. And a man walked up and he said, imagine sitting there for 15 hours. And uh, I don't believe they did have a device at that time. Sure. They just sucked it up, Mary. And you were like, sir, I don't like strangers talking to me. Well, then my, my cousin who was when they said, my dad flew one of these, and then they talked, and I was like, oh, God, thank God. When you're a military fighter pilot and you talk to me, I will, I will pay my most attention. So a, a Blackbird and a Quinjet Fantastic Car, those are like short trip vehicles. Fantastic Car is basically just a flying car. To be fair, it, also, it won't have a bathroom the X-wing, any more than your car on the bathroom. The X-Wing and the Y-Wing are, are short hop fighters, too. They, they do... They do um, Light speed, but I don't think they're meant to be like extended. Right, that's a part of a convoy or something. They get lost. Yeah, they're like fighters. They get supported. They're not. They don't have their own support. Um. So Luke was not using that to the intended spec, by the way. But and I, was, I read this email when it came in, and I thought, okay, is the Millennium Falcon basically like an RV? Like, is that their home? They yeah, live it's in the a Falcon? freighter. It's going to be like any but, ship that does. It has. It has a head. It has probably has. No, a I, I get that. But what I'm saying is. Does Han go home somewhere, or does he live on the Falcon? He lives on the Falcon. So therefore, it's basically a giant RV. Or, well, I it's would compare a, it more to a, more of a uh, ship. Right, but even ship captains dock and go home. They're not always on the ship. Some. He's an, he's itinerant. But, he's a loner, a rebel. Dotty. So Nick, the the Falcon has a kitchen, a bathroom. I mean, that's where they live. Yeah. And that bathroom shower after Chewie uses it. You gotta dig all the hair out of the out of the yeah. drain. You wanna you wanna you gotta get a really special ca- uh, catch for that. Yeah, so that they live on that thing. I'm the guessing... other ones are short. Those are short vehicles, short trip vehicles. Well, the Blackbird's just an SR seventy one, which technically only has the two seats up front. Although that's right. not how it was done in the comic. Uh, yeah, but I don't think that does the Quinjet. I bet there's a plane. I bet the Quinjet. I bet the Quinjet has a. Has a solution. I bet the Quinjet has a bathroom just like a plane has a bathroom. Uh-huh. Um, now, the, the X-Wing and Y-Wing, if, it's, if they're like going to send it on like a convoy mission, mm-hmm. I bet there's like a different kind of suit you wear. I bet that's so, what I was going to say. Yep. Yeah. Like when Luke's going to Dagobah. But even then, that was a short trip. But I think if there's like a long haul trip you're making in an X-Wing and Y-Wing, you got a little tube. Yeah, but again, I don't think you're pooping any of those. No, you're just not eating solids. Yeah, you want to avoid that. Or you use the force. Hold it in. Yeah. All right, so there you go. Nick from South Korea had a question about going to the bathroom in a, in a fictional sh- vehicle, and hopefully we covered all of it. Do you if think you there question, are, like, rest areas along, like, galactic routes? Like a You like know, like you pull diner? off the interstate? Hmm. I pulled off at in one the of those. Books, though, in, in, the, in the EU... I'm pretty sure there were those, th- like, you know, you, you would gas your ship. Like where they stopped in Spaceballs? Yes. <laughs> that was great. Can I tell you my greatest moment last week? I was driving along, and I, like, went into some bathroom off the New York Thruway, and uh, I came out, and there was a soda machine there, and I was like, I want something to drink. And I didn't have any cash with me because I left it in the car, and then I used my phone to pay for it at the machine, and I thought, we are living in the future, and everything is wonderful. <laughs> That's if you have an email, email us at contact.fanboy.com or call our voicemail line. No, shit. Send us a voicemail through your computer. That you way. Record a voicemail send it to us. Uh, tell us who you are, where you're from, how long you've been thinking about the question. Um, you know, good stuff. Thanks for writing in, Nick. Uh, let's plug stuff. So uh, uh, I had mentioned, I kind of already did, but I mentioned the talk spill that we did with Mark Russell, um, which is really interesting because he is a guy who uh, – Almost came from nowhere in terms of working in professional comics, and he's just gotten two pick of the weeks in a row, plus a prez or two back in the day. Uh, really fun, interesting conversation with a fun, interesting guy. You should go listen to that. This week, this weekend, Doctor Strange came out, and there is a podcast on it. 
Uh, somewhere on the feed, either right behind the show or right on the other side of it. I don't know yet at the time of recording. But it most likely will be out before the show comes out. Who knows, though? But it'll be there for your listening enjoyment. And then sometime this month, I was talking to Paul and Ryan, and it sounds like we're going to be doing a Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders podcast. It'll probably be out the week before Thanksgiving here in America, so around the 15th, 16th, or 17th, probably two weeks. So you can look forward to that on your feed. All that, all those shows, you can find over at fanboy.com. You can go there to find our old podcast. You can come on this show, talk about this week's books, and you can also follow the action on facebook.com slash fanboy and at fanboy on Twitter. That's where you can find out what the pick is before the show comes out. And also, individually, we are Jay Flanagan, C.S. Kilpatrick, and Ron XO. And if you like this show, you could write a review for it in iTunes or rate it. Ratings. 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 Uh, better yet, tell anybody you want to about it. If you liked an episode or somebody's asking or you have some way or some reason to mention it uh, among the social media and get the links out there, then we always appreciate it when people do, um, which we see quite a lot. And thank you to everybody who does that uh, or just you know mention in the comic book shop. This has really made my comic book reading a better experience and I recommend it for others. Uh, that is all for now. I hope, I hope yes, Ron enjoyed his movie-going experience. I enjoyed talking to you, sir. <laughs> I had no problem with that. Uh, mm, mm. Until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. We're not at the movies. We're here for you. Yep. We care. Uh, you know what? I hope he doesn't like it. Actually, I'm not. I'm not that many. <laughs>